Alrighty, everybody. Welcome back to the Dragon's Library. Today we're talking about No More Time to jo Die, the new James Bond movie. I know, I've never talked about a James Bond movie before here. I mean, we've only been doing this for like, you know, less than a year, but still. Uh, it's a big franchise. Now, before I get into the movie, let me make it very clear. I have a fairly limited experience with the James Bond franchise. Um, I've seen a few movies. I think the most recent one I saw was Skyfall. I know there was that Spectre movie, but I didn't go see that. So, I went into this basically blind. And, uh, yeah, it felt like we went to Skyfall basically blind, too, when I did that uh, as a kid. Because <laughs> I was, like, 15, I think? 12? I was, like, 14, 15 years old when we go see Skyfall. So it's been a long time. Like, oh my god, it's been almost a decade. Jeez. Okay, well, I feel old. <laughs> uh, that moment where you realize you saw one of the sequels to this movie over a decade ago. Mmm. <laughs> Spicy, I love it. Uh, but yeah, so we have Daniel Craig, I believe, as uh, James Bond. He's the James Bond from Skyfall. Yeah, Daniel Craig. And, um, yeah, pretty good. I'll just go ahead and say that. It's a pretty good movie. I, I don't know what you want from me. There have been better James Bond movies. Uh, I can't really think of my favorite at the moment. I have to, like, go through. And I haven't seen them all, so I don't really feel comfortable making that statement. I really like Skyfall. It was a good movie. Um, yeah. I didn't really understand a lot of the character relationships, though, but that's because, you know, they're, like, this has been going on since, like, Casino Royale, I believe. And I've only, out of the new ones, I've only ever seen Skyfall. So I had no idea what was going on for most of the movie. Like, I understood the plot. Like, that's one thing I will applaud this movie for. One of the things I always liked about James Bond movies when I see them is you don't really need to have seen the previous James Bond movies. If you saw them, cool. That's actually good because you'll get to understand character relationships you wouldn't have understood otherwise. But you don't need to. Uh, and I feel like that really is the point for this one. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of, like, big master villains and stuff like that that you'll know about if you've watched the previous ones. There are some other characters, John, James uh, Bond's love interest. There's this big villain group called Spectre who's hyped up for part of it. And this stuff will give you context, but you can get the basic plot just by watching the movie. And I enjoy that. I enjoy movies that are part of these large franchises that you can just go and check out if you aren't already a fan of them. And if you aren't a fan of James Bond movies, or if you have never seen one before, I would actually just recommend giving it a try. You might like it. It can be a good introduction to a franchise. Uh, it's also Daniel Craig's last James Bond movies. I'm not going to tell you exactly what happens, but yeah, let's just say he's not coming back for another one of these. <laughs> Uh, which is good for him. Like, I, I got the sense, as like, I was watching this, that he's, like, getting way too old to play James Bond. That final action scene in particular is like, dude, you look like you should be, like, retired, getting ready to retire right now, not, like, going out to fight terrorists. <laughs> or, like, you know, supervillains. Let's be real here. They're just supervillains. Like, everybody always likes to be like, ooh, James Bond is a spy thriller. It's like, no, this is full-on supervillain territory. The... Okay, minor spoiler, but the main villain of this has his own private island. <laughs> yeah, he has his own private supervillain island with, like, a base and everything. Like, this is classic James Bond villain territory right here. This is, oh, it's beautiful. I love it. I love this kind of really campy villain stuff. I've always really enjoyed it, so that was just a breath of fresh air. Uh, we also have the main villains, kind of just all right, like... He's the guy who plays iRobot. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Rumi Malik. Rami Malik. Rami Malik. Uh, and he... He's okay. They just don't give him that much to do. 
Then you also have uh, Laysedox. Um, I think she's in Love Interest, right? And also you have Lashana Lintz playing Naomi, who's like the new 007. Like, she's fun, actually. I did like her. Uh, she kind of, like, hates Bond because he gets in her way early on when she tells him not to. And they spend this entire movie, like, sniping at each other. Uh, and Bond's like, you know, I'm the old badass. I don't have to take this. But you can tell she's getting to him at times, and they keep trying to one-up themselves. Uh, there's this moment where she's talking to the secretary outside the, like, he- M's head, you know, head of the, uh, double O program or whatever. Do- oh, no, it's MI6, MI6. Uh, and she's like, I can see why you shot him. Everyone tries at least once. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's right, James Bond is kind of a jackass in addition to be like, the world's best secret spy. Uh, and that whole scene just reminded me of Archer, which I know Archer is a James Bond parody, but it was like, it's like, oh, right, everyone also wants to shoot him, too. I can see where they got that. <laughs> Except unlike James Bond, he actually does get shot, like, a lot. Like, jeez, Archer gets killed. What? And that might be part of the reason I like James Bond, is because whenever I watch it, I'm like, oh, wow, it's just Archer, but taken seriously. Ben Wishaw is good as um, Q. He's, like, the, you know, uh, massive, you know, super smart tech guy, creates all Bond's gadgets. He only really gives him one cool gadget in this movie, although God, Bond is kind of, like, pseudo-retired for most of it. So that's interesting. Uh, there were a few other characters that we were supposed to know who they were. Oh, you also had this other uh, female spy that Bond worked with at the very beginning. She was a lot of fun. Um, I don't think we got her name, did we? I, I can't remember if we did. Uh, but she was a lot of fun. I would definitely love to see her come back. She's, like, uh, she was a ton of fun in the role. Both her and the um, and Nomi, the new 007, are characters I'd really like to see explore in their own movie. Because they're just very fun, cool, secret agent kind of characters. And the uh, other girl she, he teamed up with that first keeper was really funny because she's like, yeah, I've only had like three weeks of training. And she's really badass, but she's constantly being like nervous and, you know, like she's acting like an actual person go- like, who's been going through like actual secret agent training, but hasn't really been on a lot of missions and is now having to go on this really, really important mission with like, you know, one of the world's most famous spies. So she's acting like, you know... She's still a badass. She can still handle a gun. She takes down tons of guards and stuff like that. But uh, the entire time when she's not in the middle of a fight, she's acting a bit more nervous. Which I thought was a nice dynamic uh, between her and like this, you know, aging legend kind of thing. Again, I'd like to see both of them come back for future movies. I know they're probably not. They're probably going to reboot the series again. But, you know, it's a, it was interesting while it lasted. Um, what else? What else? And I think that's about it when it comes to the um, non-spoiler bits. So I'm going to get into spoilers. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. I forgot. We got any special effects and general overall tone. Uh, movie's just, it's fine. Like, there's there's some decent shots. Uh, the fight scenes are pretty good, actually. I really liked the one where they infiltrated Spectre's dinner party. Uh, that whole thing was really cool. I loved that whole thing. It had a very classic James Bond infiltration kind of setup. And the ending firefight was awesome. Especially when uh, James Bond, the little protege he's with, uh, the new hire, she, the two of them are like, well, they're all around outside, pour you a drink. Okay, so we gotta go, you know, get out of here without dying. Cheers. Alright, on to the, on to the, on to the gunfighting. <laughs> it's like, oh, right. Uh, oh, also, James Bond doesn't have, like, a, a beer anymore. He actually gets a vodka martini shaken, not served. And it's like, oh, yeah, they're going back to classic James Bond drinking preferences. That's nice. It was always a little weird with this, like, super refined secret agent would just grab a Heineken or whatever. I mean, I don't really drink, but it's still, like, 
don't know. It's 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 that classic James Bond. It's like I get my martini shaken, not stirred. It's like it's a part of his. It's like the iconic James Bond line. You know, ugh. It was always a little dumb because they replaced it for like brand integration, which I will admit there's a less of in this one. I wasn't as sold on James Bond relationship with apparently his love interest from the previous one who he went into retirement with and they got like disturbed by a Spectre attack or whatever at this same incident. I wasn't as sold on their relationship, but then again, I haven't seen Spectre, so maybe if I'd seen Spectre, I would have liked it more. Uh, but that's about all I can say about that without spoilers, because that's like a lot of spoilery secrets, you know, secrets and lies, James Bond style spy stuff. Uh, so yeah. Alright, let's go on to the next part. So, this is a spoiler section. If you do not want to be spoilered, you should, you know, uh, probably just go see the movie. It's a solid, like, 8 out of 10. It's not anything amazing, but it's definitely worth your time. Maybe it's 7.5. I don't know. Um, but if you're really into, like, thrillers and spy thrillers in particular, I think you'll get a kick out of it. Alright. So, going to spoilers. So, the movie starts out with Jay Bond's love interest, um, as a kid... And she was apparently the le- the daughter of, like, this super assassin guy. And she's living with her, like, super drunk mother in the middle of the wilderness. In the middle of winter, you know, frosted wake. And this guy just starts walking into their house, casually kills their mom, her mom, at- while asking where the guy who murdered his family is. You know, her dad. And, uh, she manages to actually pound him with, like, multiple gunshot wounds straight to the chest. And then, okay... I need somebody to explain this to me, because I'm not James Bond aficionado, so this was really weird to me. But she shot him, like, five times, some of which were in the chest, some of which were, like, other body parts, so it clearly wasn't, like, just a bulletproof vest or something like that. And as she's dragging him outside, she's clearly had to, like, gun this situation like this, or her father's taught her how to, you know, use a gun, dispose of a body, that kind of things. Um, and as she's dragging him outside to, like, bury him or whatever... He's, like, because he has these facial scars and this mask on. You see, like, the facial scars, like, start, like, flooding. It almost looked like they were flooding, like, a dark blood-like stuff in the veins. Like, you know, like, he has some kind of super soldier thing in him. And he, like, <sighs> like, he was coming back to life. And that just never gets brought up or explained. Like, he took multiple gunshots straight on. It's not explained that he had, like, a bulletproof vest or anything like that. He just gets back up and starts hunting her again. Yeah, he's a limp. But it's like he came right into the freaking dead. What the hell? Uh, and she starts running. She falls into the lake. And then he decides to spare her life. Uh, and then flash cut to years later when her and Bond are in retirement. And, you know, they use the transition of her being pulled out of the water to her breaching the water on a beach to, you know, balance out. Uh, James Bond's going to go say goodbye to one of his previous love interests so he can move on with this new relationship. But he gets blown up. Uh, the Spectre comes to attack and he blames her because apparently he thinks he, she... Uh, betrayed him because he's unable to trust and damage and all that nonsense. And she's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And he's like, I'm not going to kill you, but I can't I can't trust you anymore. I can't trust anyone anymore. Uh, so he puts her on a train, and now he's like living alone in Jamaica. Um, CIA comes to talk to him because this guy, this German scientist, no, it's Russian scientist, sorry, Russian scientist. Um, it's always a Russian or German scientist, you know? It's never like uh, an Italian scientist or... Uh, a French scientist, you know? It's always either an American, a German, an Englishman, or, like, a Russian. Like, what's the deal here? I, I genuinely want to ask, actually. Like, you never hear the Irish uh, scientists, you know? Oh, oh, there's also the Chinese scientists. Okay, sometimes it's the Chinese scientists. But it's like, seriously, guys, those aren't the only nationalities with scientists. Like, most countries in the world have them. Get a little more creative. 
But, uh, yeah. So, uh, the scientist developed this new soup weapon, originally for MI6, off the books. But he's been kidnapped by a new villain. Uh, presumably the villain... At first it's, like, presumably, and then it's later confirmed to be the villain who... Uh, you know, attacked the main love interest when she was a daughter, when she was a child in the opening. And he was actually first captured by Spectre, though, but he's been, you know, in contact with a big, big, big bad villain. And he sneaks a USB drive, and Spectre tries to give him to activate the weapon to kill James Bond. He uses the USB drive to turn the weapon on the scientist. And I actually would like to talk about the weapon itself, because it's actually a really creative weapon design that I really like. It's like a super weapon. Like, this is very clearly something that would change the world. I like it. So, at first it looks like he's, like, working on a biological research firm. So at first you think, oh, it's some kind of, like, programmable disease. No, it's nanobots. But it's nanobots that specifically target a specific DNA. However, while that's been seen before, they don't go away. Like, they don't, like fade after time. They multiply over time, they sustain themselves in a host, and they spread through touch. They're programmed to kill a single individual, so you'll have like one person infected with it, they'll touch another, touch another, touch another, and eventually it'll reach the target and kill them if they're touched by any of the people, they've been touched by any of the people, so on, so on. Now, the villain makes it... Now, originally it was designed as basically a weapon that could be used against terrorists or super threats, without collateral damage, because it only harms the person whose DNA is specifically programmed into. It's even specifically designed to not target their family. But the villain disregards those safeguards and reprograms the bots to kill entire ethnicities. He tested out by having it target he tested out by having it target anyone who's target targetable based on an original target by a certain percentage of their DNA. So it spreads from, you know, a father to all the people who went to his funeral to all the people they're related to, to so on and so on, killing massive swaths of people. Um, and, the, you know, MI6 tries to quarantine it before then, and, you know, they're like, oh, this is what it's, this is like, you know, just a test run. Um, and so the so he was going to, like, release massive bursts of them that would target entire ethnicities and cause basically entire global collapse, and it's like, People, you know, it's the usual bullshit villain motivation of people crave subjugation. It's basically Loki's line from the Avengers. Yeah, basically that. It's that. Um, <laughs> which is really a bullshit motivation, honestly. But, like, whatever. And, anyway, he, he actually has kind of cool idea. Uh, his family owned an island in this disputed territory between Russia and Japan, and the big thing is that it's an island where all the world's most dangerous poison plants have been cultivated. And so the entire factory the final battle's in is like this giant poison farm. Uh, they even have people getting kicked off into like the pools where they're farming these rare flowers. And whoever falls in there, like the people working there have like these massive hazmat suits on them and they get kicked out. The like guards get kicked down and they like scream, ah, ah. And it's like, oh wow, that's a horrible way to go. Um, and, you know, James Bond has to come out of retirement, deal with them. Uh, he gets tricked to working in the CIA at one point, but after the whole mission goes botched and Spectre is completely slaughtered, they're the big villains from the previous movie, um, they have to go to the only remaining member of Spectre, find out who did it, they find out who does it, uh, his wife, his former wife and his, you know, I didn't know but that son gets kidnapped and held hostage, and finally there's this big final battle in the big villain camp, um where James Bond manages to defeat the villain, but in the end, after, you know, he opens to open the blast door so they can massively destroy the island. Yes, it'll be an international incident, but Heracles, the um, super weapon, won't get out into the world. 
And it's all, like, you know, very tragic and stuff like that. The last villain's, the villain's final screw you to James Bond is that he infects him with a version of the Heracles that's specifically supposed to target his wife and her daughter, which he was using to keep them under control because he threatened to unleash it if they um, ever, you know, tried to betray him while he was holding them captive because he feels like she owes him or something for not killing her as a kid. Um, and James Bond realizes that if he, if he allows himself to live, he tries to escape, not only will... Will this place maybe survive and Heracles will be unleashed upon the world as countries start abusing it? Um, but that he will never be able to touch his wife or child. And anyone he touches will become... He, he is now a danger. He is now the only threat left for his child and his wife. So he has this final teary goodbye to them and dies in the explosion. It's like, okay. That's actually unreasonable. Like, that's actually reasonable. I like that uh, kind of heroic sacrifice because he realizes that there's no way to go on. Because Heracles spreads forever. There's no way to get rid of it. Although, I was wondering, can you just EMP pulse the nanobots or are they, like, protecting against that? Because, like, it feels like you just, like, EM pulse a person. You know? Knock out all the machinery. Because they are still machines. I don't know. I'm not a scientist, so I don't know that stuff. Tell, hey, any, any scientists listening to this, please tell me, could you just, like, wipe out nanobots with an EMP? Because if so, like, they're way less threatening than people want to make them out to be. Um, now, one thing I did really like, because for those of you who are new to this show, I'm a mythology nerd. I love mythology. And Heracles is the name of the nanobot weapon. Now, that might seem like a really weird weapon to you. It's like, oh, uh, so, like, the super strength demigod guy? Yes, because most people don't know how Heracles died. See, his wife, uh, Deonara, whose spoiler alert means husband destroyer in Greece, uh, it means husband destroyer, so, you know, that's a great person to marry. <laughs> well, a long time ago, uh, she kept this centaur blood vial because the centaur told him if he could keep his blood, uh, it'll, you can make it into a potion that will prevent Heracles from being unfaithful to her. Years later, Heracles, you know, starts looking around other women. And uh, she decides to make him more faithful to her by flashing in the blood on her his uh, clothes. Turns out, though, centaur blood is poisonous and kill it is killing Heracles. So he decides to burn away his mortal body because it's really painful in a sense to become a god. So this in this metaphor, I think Heracles is meant to be like the centaur blood that killed Heracles. It's specifically targeted for Heracles. It was you know it splashed on his shirt to kill him for being unfaithful. I really like that. I thought it was really cool. Um, it's not a direct thing, and I think, and I'm, again, I'm just assuming that's what it is. It's either that or it's related to the Hydra Blood Arrows that Heracles, um, you know, that Heracles got from killing the Hydra. Regardless, I think it's really cool, and it's one of those, like, kind of weird deep cut. I'm not really sure if you're pulling from there, but there is a lot of poison stuff around Heracles, so that's an interesting place to go with it. Um, so yeah. This video was a little shorter than the others. Didn't have that much to say about James Bond. You know, it's really good action, some decent one-liners. Uh, pretty good, all above, like, you know, B, a solid B spy movie. I mean, I'm cool with that. It's no Skyfall, but it's still a good movie. I recommend most people go see it if they're into that kind of stuff. Uh, I will see you guys next week. Um, I will be reviewing... Okay, so we have a few things that can come out. So, on Thursday next week... I'm going to be doing a double feature review. I'm going to be reviewing Dune, the book by Frank Herbert, and the Dune movie that came out a few decades ago. Once I'm done with both of those, later this month, on like the 21st, I believe, I'm going to go see Dune, the new movie. And we're going to have this big triple threat Dune special. So, you know, I'll see how it compares to both the movie, the old movie, the, the original book, and 
you know, how it stacks up on its own merits. So, yeah. Get excited for that, guys. We get a big sci-fi epic. Please don't let it suck. Please don't let it suck. Please don't let it suck. Because Dune's a good book. I will say that right now. I'm almost finished with it. Oh, my. I'm going to have some good things to say about this. I mean, that goes without saying. It's a classic. So, yeah. Um, not sure yet what we're going to be doing Tuesday. I guess I'll have to wing it. Uh, so, yeah. See you guys next time. Bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. And thank you for listening to The Dragon's Library. Please, subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes. The Dragon's Library releases new episodes Tuesday and Friday each week. And you can follow us on Twitter at dragon underscore library 2. If you want to suggest an episode topic, my email is in the description below. And as always, thank you so much for all your support.